2: You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
5: Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell.
4: Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. And we're continuing the series on Neville's book, otherwise known as Neville Goddard, his book, The Law and the Promise. So I've last two weeks ago, I started teaching a chapter titled, uh, Turn the Wheel Backward which is chapter three of this book and I'm going to continue teaching it because I only got into a few pages of it and I want to make sure that we cover some more ground. So, uh, you know, I covered a lot of stuff that last class, I mean that last show, but I actually didn't cover a lot of pages. So I, (laughs) I do want to just, you know, you know, address that. So, Before I do it, I want to make sure that, again, we work from the concept or the context, rather, excuse me, that Neville Goddard's work is is unorthodox in the sense of he is solely focusing on how to use your imagination with faith to bring about desired demonstrations. And it's unorthodox because he is extremely radical in how he, he uses it. How do you work with your mind? How do you visualize the level of, you know, concentration, focus, and intent to be able to produce a desired result? You're not getting caught up in a whole bunch of other things other than getting really clear in your mind. What are you seeking to produce? That is an expression of harmony, joy, prosperity, love, health, well-being, whatever, How well can you hold it in your mind? How well can you see it? So in this chapter, Turn the Wheel Backwards, he's talking about actually uh, recreating in your mind events that have already happened and imagining them as if they happened the way you desired them to happen. Now, before we get into the work, uh, of the chapter it was a couple of things i wanted to uh, quote because i think it's important you know it's always good to have supplemental information that can help support your work one of the things that i think is important is for us to realize how important it is to have a mind that is free and clear to be able to do the work because sometimes we're f- focusing on what we say we desire but we haven't really released old thoughts beliefs uh feelings attitudes etc that are actually interfering with our free flow of thinking. In other words it's, it's challenging to stay inspired when we're stuck in the rut of our own thinking. So we need to learn how to release. So what I, today what I want to read is something I wrote years ago for the Daily inspiration for Better Living, uh, which is the periodical written um, that comes out every two months. For the Universal Foundation for Better Living. Back then, it came out every month, but but we we basically cover the whole year. You have one page to read per day for two months, so it comes out. You know, for instance, January, we will have January and February, then you know March, April, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it comes out six times a year. Back then, it came out twelve times a year. So I wrote this on Wednes for Wednesday, January fifth, twenty eleven. So I wrote this in twenty ten for the January 2011 Daily Inspiration. So if you're out there and you have an old Daily Inspiration from January 2011, go to January 5th, which was a Wednesday, and read it yourself. So the title of it is I Release. I Release. Today I release all thoughts, beliefs, and feelings about my life to the presence of power of God in me. I accept that there is a divine intelligence greater than my human intellect that guides my life. This divine intelligence is always right, and it guides me into health, happiness, and prosperity when I don't interfere. I release old thoughts and feelings I have erroneously held about myself. I am free today. I am not limited by my past. I made the best decisions I can make at the time. I forgive myself and move onward and upward. I release these thoughts. God's, excuse me, as I release these thoughts, God's infinite love shines through me like the sunrise. I release other people. They don't have to conform to my opinion. I leave people free To be whoever they choose to be. And I still love them. I have learned. That the secret of happiness. Is simply to let go. And let God. Now why is that important? Because again. As you release. As you let go. You allow your mind to be relaxed. You allow your feeling nature to relax. You allow your body to relax. You allow your ideas to work. Uh in a way that's not um, constantly being interfered with by old erroneous thoughts that don't necessarily uh, have anything to do with your well-being. So we have to learn how to release. And then I want to read something from a old booklet from Allison D. Harrell. Some people say Harrell, but from my understanding is Harold. He was a minister for Reverend Coleman in the seventies, eighties, and early nineties, or sixties, seventies, eighties, and early nineties. And he wrote a little he wrote a lot of little booklets. Um, and one of them was titled Giving Thanks to God. Now, this is out of print now, but I like the information, so I'm gonna use it. So on page seventeen he wrote Giving thanks to God for imagination plays a very important part in the formation of our character. Let me stop here. Neville primarily teaches imagination. This is why I'm quoting this. So let me start over. Giving thanks to God for imagination plays a very important part in the formation of our character. Our character is formed by our thoughts, feelings, words, actions, and reactions, and by the thought Images persistently held in mind, which become fixed in the subconscious phase of mind, as we choose to make the proper use of imagination and hold right, constructive images in mind, undesirable character traits and habits may be changed. We may deny images from the negative side of life, cease imaging according to appearances, and behold the Christ spirit within as the perfect pattern to be persistently held in mind. Now, why is this important? Because he covered a lot of stuff in this in those few sentences. First of all, he starts off by saying, giving thanks to God for imagination. So when was the last time you actually thank God for the natural faculties that you might just take for granted? Giving thanks to God for imagination giving thanks to God for anything giving thanks to God for the ability to digest food giving thanks to God for the ability to do whatever it's a good habit that's the first thing then he says imagination plays a very important part in the formation of our character now you are known by your character you are known by your reputation your reputation is many times determined by your character in other words how you act, how you behave, how you interact, how you carry yourself, etc. And he goes on to say, "Our character is formed. Our character is formed. Our character is formed." We got to keep that in mind. All right, it's not something that is given only. And I realize, you know, that people can say many things when it comes to how character is formed. You know, family genetics for those who believe in. Uh, reincarnation, that which is carried in the soul at the subconscious level, all those things. But primarily, our character is formed by our thoughts, feelings, words, actions, and reactions. That's what he's saying. Our character is formed. So, as I think, I'm determining character. As I feel, I'm determining character. As I speak, I'm determining character. As I act, I'm determining character character. As I react, I am determining character. And many times I'm either reinforcing or recreating something in my character. Or creating, not recreating, creating. I'm either reinforcing or creating. In other words, I'm reinforcing what's already there or I'm creating something new. Then he says that The thought images persistently, that's the key word. The thought images persistently. The thought images persistently. This isn't something that I'm thinking about health today and for the rest of the day. I'm thinking about, you know, everything else that's going on in the world. Thought images held persistently. Thought images persistently held in mind. So we have to be mindful that. If we're surfacely studying spirituality, surfacely studying how the mind works, surfacely studying how to implement spiritual principle, surfacely studying anything, those thought images will not become fixed in the subconscious phase of mind. It's like studying anything. Yeah, he's like. One, uh, I have a nephew who loves football. He loves football so much that he goes on YouTube and watches simulated John Madden PlayStation Four games just so he can understand how to how plays are run. Now, why is that important? Because he's fixed on it so much so that you, if you need a football play explained, he can explain it. He probably could coach right now in junior high. He loves it that much because his thought images are on what he desires to produce. He plays football. He talks football. He thinks football. He feels football. Football. That's what he's about. Now, it goes along with the statement that Jacob said to God in the book of Genesis. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. But uh, Reverend Allison Harold also wrote this, he said, as we choose, again, that's important, as we choose, this isn't something that happens by happenstance, as we choose to make the proper use of imagination. So when I read proper use, that made me realize that maybe I've been improperly using my imagination to hold on to images of fear, of, of frustration, of anxiety, of doubt, etc., etc., instead of what he calls proper use of imagination, which is the hold right and constructive images in mind. As we do that, undesirable character traits and habits may be changed. So as I change my thought images in my imagination, I'm actually also working to eliminate the images that are producing undesirable character traits and habits. Again, we're still talking about turning the wheel backwards, but I want to make sure that I'm giving you some good supplemental information so we can make sure that we cover all bases. And I wish I could tell you how to get this book, Giving Thanks to God, but I guess you could reach out to the Universal Foundation for Better Living at UFBL.org and let the, um, the office know. And maybe if it's en- enough of you all contact uh, the UFBL, you know, which I'm a part of and a board member, maybe you can get it reprinted. All right. It's a good little booklet. Moving on. Then he says we may deny images from the negative side of life. So, again, we may deny. Now, denying is a conscious choice. We're denying. We're saying no to something. And behold, the Christ spirit. Now, the Christ spirit isn't something that you see. This is where spiritual language becomes metaphorical. In other words, you lift up the ideals of what we understand this Christ spirit to work in through and as us. So we're holding it up as the ideals that symbolize or represent what we understand to be the perfect pattern of God within humanity. We have to hold those images, those thoughts, images, those patterns in mind and allow the imagination to give them life. All right, so he goes on to give a prayer uh, at the end, and he uses language like father because he that's how he wrote, but I want to make sure that you have the prayer, and, and this prayer will just be on this podcast for people who need it. So he wrote on page 19, affirm often, Father, I thank thee for the action of image formation in my mind, for the faculty of mind that images and forms thought. I give thanks that through my faculty of imagination a formless takes form. I give thanks to thee, Father, for the imagination or picture-forming power of the mind that forms the vision of the idea perceived by faith to bring good into my life, world, and affairs. Father, I give you the thanks, the praise, and the glory for my ability to bring into expression the law of imagination linked with faith. I see myself whole, well, and strong and provide with an abundance. abundance of every good thing. Now, it just, ironically, as I'm reading this, it just dawned on me that the Johnny Coleman Institute is going to be teaching some of his pamphlets beginning on May 1st. So if you're in the Chicagoland area, you might want to take a look at that and see, uh, see if you can benefit from his works. His wife, the Reverend Wometa Harrell, was my first teacher and one of my spiritual mothers. So, Last quote I'm going to use, and then for the next two parts of the show, I will be teaching directly out of the law and the promise by Neville. But again, I'm just trying to make sure that I give you the information you need to do what you need to do. All right. So this is from the book, Creative Visualization for Beginners by Richard Webster. Yet again, you know, I always have different books that. I teach from for different reasons. And I think it's really important to have good reference material. Anybody that's any teacher worth his or her salt knows that you have to have resources. So he wrote on page five You possess a magnificent creative imagination. Absolutely everything begins in the mind. Every time you think a thought, you are creating energy. Then he says, "With creative visualization, you use your imagination to create a clear impression of what it is that you desire." I just want to leave that right there for a moment because we can get to a lot of other things, but this is the crux of what Neville is saying with creative visualization. And this is a Neville. I am quoting Richard Webster. With creative visualization, you use your imagination to create a clear impression. Of whatever it is that you desire. Impression where? In the mind. You're using your imagination. To create. create, Because it didn't exist in your mind before. To create a clear impression. Of whatever it is. You desire. Scripture would say things like. Write the vision and make it plain. You have to clearly be able to see in your mind. What it is that you seek to express. So. What is this saying overall? What this is saying overall is simply this: we have to get in the habit of learning how to work with the images that are in our minds, and we also have to protect our minds against images that we don't want. You know, unfortunately, you know, over the last few days, it was a gentleman who who killed a senior citizen, male, a male senior citizen, on Facebook Live, and. Millions of people watch that video. I don't need to watch that video. Why? I'm protecting my imagination. I don't need to see that. And we need to be mindful of how we protect our minds from that which we don't desire to express. So it is time for our first break. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
2: 272727 Thank you for your support.
1: Did you know that the Buddha gave us the formula to create a beautiful abundant life? Did you know that Jesus gave us the formula to create a beautiful abundant life? Did you know that both these masters taught exactly the same thing? And guess what? They did not teach the law of attraction. They taught the great paradox of prosperity. You can have anything you want. Why? You can have things you don't even know you want, but not by wanting them. Instead, put your attention on the vibrant presence of the divine within. Do that and your life will change. It has to. That is the natural order. Want to crack the code on the great paradox? Get Janet Connors' The Lotus and the Lily. Available everywhere great books are sold.
3: It is the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times, only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were at the time. However, times are changing. This message was brought to you by T.J. Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from T.J. on his weekly podcasts. Episodes are available on UnityOnlineRadio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music.
5: Thank you for tuning in to truth transforms now here's your host reverend galen
4: mcdowell all right welcome back to truth transforms i'm teaching the book by neville titled the law and the promise so let's get actually into the book now i try to give a good overview of information to help us really comprehend what neville is saying so i'm not going to teach what I taught in the last sh- during the last show, uh, which set up this chapter. You can go back and get that information. So he goes on to say, again, on page 33, I'm just going back there. He says, to revise the past is to reconstruct it with new content. Man should daily relive the day as he wished he had lived it, revising the scenes to make them conform to his ideals. So he gives an example. For instance, suppose today's mail brought disappointing news. Revise the letter. Mentally rewrite it and make it conform to the news you wish you had received. Then in imagination, read the revised letter over and over again, and this will arouse the feeling of naturalness. And the imaginal acts become facts as soon as we feel natural in the act. Now, what he's basically saying is, that we have to get to the space to where we have the feeling of receiving the blessing or the experience that we desire. And from that feeling, we end up creating, through God's divine law, a different experience for ourselves. Now, let me just be clear. This does not mean, and it can mean, but it doesn't normally mean, for instance, uh, you know, you go and ask a lady out for a date, and and she tells you, no, I'm, I don't want to be bothered. So you go and imagine, okay, well, I know she's married, and uh, you know, but I really want this date, so I'm gonna go and imagine that she said yes to me. And that means she's gonna leave her husband. I'm not saying that. Unfortunately, those type of things happen. So. Who am I to say? But that I'm saying, <laughs> but I'm not saying that. What I am saying is looking at the things that happen in your life and play with it enough to where you create an intensity of feeling for yourself. So you are seeking that which is that which is seeking. You are seeking it. Is up seeking you uh Reverend Coleman used to have a statement. She used to say, that which I am seeking, I am. That which I am seeking, I am. Now, what does that mean? I'm seeking prosperity. I am prosperity. I'm seeking health. I am health. I'm seeking peace. I am peace. That which I am seeking, I am. Most people would say that which I am seeking is seeking me. She would say that which I am seeking, I am. Slightly different. But it's a world of difference because she was saying, I am, I am that which I am seeking. I already am. And that's why I'm seeking to express it. So my seeking to express it is just the the desire in my soul to to demonstrate something that I know I'm a conduit here to express but we have to, but we have to recognize that. All right, moving on. On page thirty-five, because he tells a story on page thirty-three and thirty-four, which I think is really good. But I, again, I would say get the book, "The Law and the Promise" by Neville, and do the reading yourself. I'm going to skip over a ton of stuff in the course of teaching a book online, and what sticks out to me might not stick out to you, and vice versa. So you want to make sure that you give yourself the best opportunity to win. So he goes on by saying, talking about imagination, by mentally falsifying the facts of life, man moves from passive reaction to active creation. This breaks the wheel of recurrence and builds a cumulatively enlarging Future. I don't know why I just butchered that word, but that's okay. If a man does not always create in the full sense of the word, it is because he is not faithful to his vision, or else he thinks of what he wants rather than from his wish fulfilled. So, okay, let's just deal with it on a few levels. First of all, he talks about falsifying the facts of life. Now, again, people who read this who don't have ethics will automatically uh, high ethics. Or values or practice the golden rule and automatically think I can manipulate people. And believe me when I tell you, people use mental techniques to manipulate people all the time. We're not talking about manipulating people and trying to get over on folks. We're talking about using the imagination to demonstrate the attributes of good, the attributes of God at a practical level in your life. That's what Neville was talking about. And that's what I'm talking about. But when you take the teachings out of the context of the entire teaching, you'll lose the ethics, you'll lose the morality, you'll lose the love, et cetera, et cetera. The honesty, truthfulness that also goes along with teaching uh, spiritual and mental science. So moving forward, again, page 35, by mentally falsifying the facts of life, man moves from passive reaction to active creation. In other words, we're not just reacting to the images of life, the appearances of life, the facts of life. We have decided to become an active creator in our lives. This is what Reverend Coleman, again, the quote, I am the thinker who thinks the thought that makes the thing. I am the thinker who thinks the thought that makes the thing. I am the thinker who thinks the thought that makes the thing. thing." Because she knew that you had to take control of your mind if you had any hope in living a life that you desired or desire. So, then the author says, if a man or person does not always create in the full sense of the word, it is because he or she is not faithful to his vision. Now, what does being faithful to the vision mean? Faithful to the vision would be no different than being faithful to your spouse. All right. So, uh, for most people, being married means that you're in a monogamous, intentional relationship where you're building a f- uh, family. Family doesn't necessarily mean children. Family just means the coming together of two individuals to build something that didn't exist before those two individuals came together. Sometimes that also includes children and grandchildren, et cetera. But there are rules to being married. One of the rules is don't commit adultery. All right. So adultery is when you step outside the, the commitment, when you step out, Side, the agreement, when you step outside the understanding, when you step outside the covenant of marriage to engage, uh, you know, sexually with another individual. That's called not being faithful. You'll hear people say that person wasn't faithful in his marriage or she wasn't faithful in her marriage. That always means she was or he was committing adultery cheating. All right. So we can't cheat or be unfaithful to the vision we have in mind. How do you cheat on your vision? You cheat on your vision by by thinking and feeling in ways that are inconsistent with the vision. We cheat on our vision by talking in ways that are inconsistent with the vision. We cheat on our vision by being by acting and reacting in ways that are inconsistent with the vision. So if we have a vision yet we're thinking feelings speaking, acting, and reacting in ways that are inconsistent with the vision, we are being unfaithful to the vision. So we have to stop literally sleeping with the enemy thoughts. We have to stop engaging and becoming intimate with beliefs, concepts, Ideologies, uh, attitudes, habits, actions, etc., that are not consistent with that which you seek to demonstrate is good in your life. You have to be faithful to your vision. Thou shalt not commit adultery. <laughs> Metaphysically, committing adultery is engaging in the practices that I've been talking about for the last couple of minutes. Because as within, so without. And Jesus taught it the same way. We talked about adultery, and he said, um He said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. He talked about this on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, but any man who looks at a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery. Now, what he was basically saying is this. He's not saying that you look at somebody like, oh, man, she's a cutie. He's saying when you look at that person and you start thinking and scheming on how you can get up with them, that's lusting in your heart. And Jesus knew as the master teacher that if you don't catch that thought there, and you allow it to linger and grow. It will show up somewhere later down the line. And it might be so overwhelming. Then it'll be a lot harder to squash than it was when it was a baby image and a baby feeling. So we have to be faithful to the vision. He says, how do you do that? He says, or else. He thinks of what he wants rather than from his wish fulfilled. So when we think that, he's basically saying when you hold an image or your vision and your imagination of what it is that you say you desire, you always have to think from the wish fulfilled or the image fulfilled. You have to think from the completion. That's what he's saying. Not I'm not I'm seeking to get. I am it. Nobody teaches people that I know of that teaches spiritual or mental science, new thought or metaphysics. Teaches people to affirm I will be healthy. We teach people to always present tense. Why? Always present tense. Why? Because you're claiming it now. I am health, I am healthy, that I will be prosperous, I am prosperous, I am prosperity, that I will be peaceful, I am peace, I am peaceful, I am a peacemaker, I am, that I am. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Why? Well, aren't they weak? Physically, that might be a fact. So the, the Bible is saying the same thing Neville is saying. You have to, you have to be faithful, and you have to speak from that which factually isn't true yet. Let the weak say, "I am strong." That's that's the Jesus methodology. Jesus, we're gonna bring this man through the roof. He's been laying on this bed cot for years. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Get up and take your bed with you. Jesus looks at a man who has a withered hand. In his mind, he doesn't see a withered hand. Stretch forth your hand. Now, why would you tell a man with a withered hand to stretch forth his hand? He can't stretch it forth. But Jesus was speaking as if it was already done. Same thing. You got to be faithful. You got to think from the centurion who came to Jesus because his servant was was ill. And he came to Jesus that my servant is ill and I need you, to, uh, you know, um, and um, I know that, you know, you can help him. Jesus, like, OK, get uh, got up. Where is he? I'll go to him. He said, oh, no, Jesus, you don't have to come. I'm a man of authority, and when I tell my servants and slaves and whoever to come and go, they come and go. You're a man of spiritual authority. So all you have to do is speak the word, and I will know it is done. And Jesus got excited. You know, this is one of the moments when I read in the Bible where I can imagine the face of Jesus Looking and saying, this Roman centurion got it, and he got it. I've been walking around teaching these people this for years, and this guy got it. That I don't have to get up and go places and lay hands on folks and whatever. All they have to realize is if I, if the consciousness is sufficient to realize truth, when you speak the word, is already done. This man has it. I can picture him getting fired up because I would have gotten fired up about that. Like this man reminded Jesus about his own stuff. Like, you don't have to get up, you don't have to do anything, Jesus just say the word, because I, I know who you are, and I know, because I know who you are, when you speak the word, it's going to be done, because, because you are a man of spiritual authority. Now, do you consider yourself a man or woman of spiritual authority, where you can think from your wish fulfilled rather than thinking of it being fulfilled in other words instead of thinking it's something to come you you think from the space that it is already done it's just a thought Really quickly, before we get to our second break, remember that this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give, go to unity.fm, click on the giving button, and help support this online ministry. Don't forget that this show has a Facebook page, and you can um, go to Facebook, like the page, share the things on it. My request is give a review, five-star review, write a review so that we can share it and also do the same on iTunes and Stitcher, Stitcher's for Android apps. So with that, we'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
3: Someone once said there are two ways to get to the top of an oak tree. Climb the tree or plant an acorn and wait. If we expect changes to happen in our lives, we may want to consider climbing. Plus, changes needn't be monumental. Sometimes it's as easy as an attitude shift. Life is what we bring to it. Do you have a job that seems less than exciting? When you walk through the door, bring joy with you. Life looks better when viewed through a positive attitude. Are you facing a health challenge or surgery? Get rid of your fears by focusing instead on spirit working in and through you. When you remember that with God all things are possible, your outlook cannot help but change. Today, wherever you go, whatever you face, do so with joyous expectations. Release your inner splendor and allow the light and love of God to guide your way.
2: This Mindful Moment is brought to you by Daily Word magazine. Finding time for the positive reminders in Daily Word is easy with the digital edition. Perfect for smartphones and readers on the go. Give it a test run with our 30-day free trial offer. Learn more at unityonlineradio.org slash dailyword.
3: I will
1: leave this world as it is.
3: The world is full of voices, advertising,
5: You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms.
4: All right. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm on page 35 of the book, uh, The Law and the Promise. So let's go ahead and... Um, knock the rest of this chapter out. And if we do, if we don't, I'll pick it up for next week. So he says at the bottom of the page, try not to revise, try to revise your day every night before falling asleep. So he's going to give some definite steps. He says, try to visualize clearly and enter into the revised scene, which would be the imaginal solution of your problem. The revised imaginal structure may have a great influence on others but that is not your concern. The other influenced in the following story is finally grateful for that influence. Now then he gives an example of a story that a, a person did and I'm not going to read it because again, I want to I want to drive you to buy the book because he gives real-world examples of people who practice what he taught them to get desired results. And I want you to get the book so you can read it yourself. So I want to go back up to the steps. Again, He said, try to revise your day every night before falling asleep. Try to visualize clearly instead of just going to sleep. Before you get sleepy and doze off, lay down or get on your couch or your meditation chair or whatever and visualize clearly and enter into the revised scene, which would be the imaginal solution of your problem. Literally go there. The revised imaginal structure may have a great influence on others. But that is not your concern. You're not trying to control what other people do or not do. But when you start shifting things in your mind, what ends up happening is somehow through faith, God starts to move stuff around. When I say God, God is divine law. Starts to move stuff around. God is grace. Starts to move stuff around. How it all works and comes together, I can't even explain to you. But it happens. What ends up happening, though, is because people don't talk about things of depth often. They don't share their stories of how working with prayer, working with meditation, working with visualization, working with the application of spiritual principles, they have transformed things in their lives, had, uh, you know, overcame health challenges, had breakthroughs with home and family situations, money situations, job situations, family situations, etc. Because we're so used to talking about sports or politics or reality tv or what you like watching on tv or your favorite music or whatever all those things are cool if that's what you want to talk about but we don't talk about the things sometimes that matter enough that when people who might not have hope can be encouraged by understanding what you've gone through and how you have applied spiritual principle to help you overcome and get over now He goes on to say on page 37 that everyone must live wholly on the level of imagination and it must be consciously and deliberately undertaken. Those are two co- definite words. The two words I want to focus on right now is consciously and deliberately. Again, he's focusing on how we have to be deliberate in the use of our minds. Very deliberate. And we have to be very conscious. In other words, we just can't be drifting unconsciously through life, passively learning, passively doing anything. We have to become intentional. All right. So he says on page 38, Neville, in the Law of the Promise, there is no inevitable permanence in anything. Both past and present continue to exist only because they are sustained by imagining on some level or other. And a radical transformation of life is always possible by man revising the undesirable part of it. So first of all, what he's basically saying is everything must change. Nothing stays the same. There's nothing permanent in what we call physical reality. Nothing. Things will change. Now, there are tendencies towards things, but things change, and the reason why they exist the same way is because enough people are holding the image to maintain it the way it is. We call that sometimes by right of consciousness. In other words, if enough people are thinking a thing, then that shift can happen culturally. Literally, the shift can happen culturally where something it used to happen that no longer happens or something that no longer happens now happens because there's been a shift in the way people see things, how things occur to them, so how people visualize, how people understand what people believe. And that's what supports what we believe past, present and future, because some of us look back at our past now or even the past and realize that some of it has been, you know. Um, was written in a certain way to influence our thinking. So people look at the past of whether it's our nation or other nations in history, For instance, growing up, when, uh, as a kid watching the movies with my grandparents, my grandparents uh, on my um, maternal side love um, cowboy movies, cowboys and Indians. Now, as a little boy growing up, this one I'm gonna give an example about nothing is permanent even in the past. I believe that the Indians were the bad guys because the good guy cowboys were always fighting these quote unquote people that were trying to stop them from living their peaceful lives. When I became an adult or close to an adult and I realized through studying history, um partially and obviously in once I got to seventh, eighth grade and then and you know, you have to study the constitution and how things how the United States came together, you know, in a serious way. Then in high school as well, you discover that you know what Native Americans weren't uh, were protecting their land; they were being occupied. Now that changes to how we see the past. Now the actions of the past might have uh, might not have been affected, but how we view it has changed, and how you view a thing will determine how you act now, and potentially how you will act in the future. And we have to understand that, but I don't want to get caught up into that story anyway. So he goes on to say on page thirty nine, any imaginal activity acquiring intensity through our concentrated attention to clarify. Excuse me. Let me start over. Any imaginal activity acquiring intensity through our concentrated attention to clarity of the end desired tends to overflow into regions beyond where we are but we must leave it to take care of such imaginal activity itself. So what does that mean? He he says as you're holding on to these images in faith, in love, in divine order in your imagination with intensity how do you have that in, create that intensity he says through concentrated attention to clarity of the end desired. Concentrated attention to clarity of the end desired So how serious, how focused can you be to hold that attention, concentrated attention, and see as clearly as you possibly can the end desired. When you do that, it overflows in the other areas of your life, but you're not concerned about that. Hold on to the image and watch how holding on to the image will bless areas of your life that you didn't even imagine. So holding on the image of one thing can have effects on the total consciousness, which then, which means that it has to be in other areas of your life as well. All right. So the author goes on to say, it is marvelously resourceful in adapting and adjusting means to realize itself. In other words, that when you hold the image of yourself, when you uh, of the desire of the demonstration it is amazing how it works in the realm of possibility to to produce a desired result it says once we think in terms of influence rather than clarity of the end desired the effort of imagination becomes an effort of will and the great art of imagining is perverted into tyranny so what he's basically saying is this isn't willpower You're not, I'm making it happen, I'm going to will it to happen. No. You're playing with it in your mind with concentrated attention until you can clearly see it and and clearly connect with it in feeling to the end result. You're not trying to make it happen. It's an allowance. It's a letting. It's a permitting. So... We have to be mindful that we don't stress our minds out about this process because if we do, we're trying to be willful instead of willing. Willful instead of willing. What does that mean? You're trying to make it happen instead of letting it happen. That's why I started the show off by reading um, that old daily inspiration lesson I released or or excuse me, a page that I wrote. I release from twenty eleven because that starts off the process. With as you release, because when when you're trying to make it happen, when you're trying to will it to happen, it's based upon this concept that it, it's not yours. That or you have to force it. That which is natural to you, you don't have to force. You can you can make effort to maximize it, but you don't. But it's not forced. You can work to enhance it and develop it, but it's not force. It's not willfulness. This isn't a process to create headaches and, and stress in your body. It's more of a relaxa- relaxation. It's relaxed intensity of mind. You relax the mind. You relax the body. At the same time, you're holding the image and the feeling. That's how it works. So we're getting close to the end of the show, and I think that I've covered the points that I wanted to cover in this chapter, so next week, we will cover the chapter, There Is No Fiction, which is chapter four in the book, again, There Is No Fiction, which is chapter four in the book, so uh, don't forget again that um, you can call into the show, I didn't give the number today, but I I do like hearing from the callers, 888 558 For those that are in the Chicagoland area, uh, we will have Lisa Nichols, the international inspirational speaker at Christ Universal Temple on Sunday. So make sure that you check her out. She is fantastic, and she's showing up to celebrate the sixth anniversary of Reverend Wells as the senior minister at Christ Universal Temple. So make sure that you are a part of that experience. God bless And I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms.
5: Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple.
0: The Voice of an Awakening World.
3: Dorothy Day, a co-founder of the Catholic Worker Movement in America, called for not a revolution of arms, but a revolution of the heart. Since the beginning of our nation, the American Revolutionary War, and long before that, actually... There's not been a time without conflict somewhere in the world. Makes you stop and think, doesn't it? Certainly we live in challenging times. Each day brings seemingly limitless opportunities to take offense. And each opportunity offers me a choice. I can give a knee-jerk response in fear or anger, or I can choose consciously to respond in love. My choice may seem insignificant. After all, I'm only one person. But as history has taught us, one person can make a difference. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org.
0: Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time.